0: Welcome to RevOps Rockstars in Pursuit of Unicorns. I'm David Carnes.
1: And I'm Jaren Chu. Join us as we interview RevOps leaders to explore the challenges they have faced, the biggest lessons they've learned, and what they think makes a RevOps Rockstar.
0: This show is brought to you by OpFocus, on a mission to help companies run their businesses better by letting you focus on growth while we scale your operations. Let's get this show on the road. Today's guest is a great friend of OpFocus. We're so excited to have her with us. She has a long history of working in hyper-growth SaaS companies. She's a strong revenue leader in business planning, strategy, operations management, and reporting and analytics. Um, Heidi Thompson is the VP of Go-To-Market Strategy and Revenue Operations at Uncork. Welcome, Heidi.
2: Thank you, David. Thank you for having me.
1: Heidi, first question off the bat. It's a big one. What is
2: something in RevOps that you had to learn the hard way? So apparently I like to learn a lot of things the hard way. Um, I would say first and foremost, managing up. I was actually giving the book about a year after many fails, the book called managing up. I just find it that when you first start out in your career, it's very easy to be an order taker and reactive, trying to people please, if you will. And what I really needed to learn is asking questions. So asking, mm-hmm. what do you, problem are you trying to solve with this report? Or what does success look like for a software implementation you might be running? And just not being scared to ask those questions so that you truly understand what the stakeholders are trying to solve for versus being an order taker. We should be much more of a business partner and advisor.
1: And I feel like you have a story behind there around
2: how you learned it the hard way. I received a very, <laughs> um, how would it say, a very puzzling email from ACRO where the sentence and what the request was didn't really make sense of what he wanted, so I had to guess. And I, to do so, I produced maybe ten reports, which took me hours of work, and none of them ended up being what he was actually trying to solve for. But I was just taking guesses according to a you know five word email <laughs> of what the ask was. So yes, I did learn the hard way. I had spent so many hours, and then I had to spend more hours. Fixing what I thought was the answer the first time because I just didn't ask the questions and was too scared to.
1: Wow. Talk about um clarifying the intention and yes. making sure you're going and rowing the same direction, right? All of these companies are struggling and striving to do that. Such, such a great thing to learn early on as well. Yes, yes. It took a
2: while, but I, I got there. And the book I highly recommend. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I would love to read that soon as well. Um, Let's talk a little bit about uh, your current role. Your title is VP of Go-to-Market Strategy and Revenue Operations. It's quite quite an impressive (laughs) title. What does that entail at Uncork? What what do you actually do every day?
2: Every day, you never know what you're going to (laughs) get. It's my favorite thing about RevOps. But ultimately my role is to, first of all, spearhead the RevOps team, whether it be proposals, compensation, sales operations, partnering with CS operations and marketing operations, but also being that thought advisor to the CRO. So that anything we are working on, whether it be value proposition and messaging, then the enablement that goes with it, change management, um, there's so many different facets that I typically project manage, and some people might think of it as sort of a chief of staff role in some ways, but it's not. It's not to be uh, convoluted. However, there are aspects I can understand where it comes across with that. The go-to-market strategy, though, making sure everybody stays in line with their ICP, stays focused on the messaging, that everyone's honed it, mastered it, And I can report back being the voice of our salespeople, what they're seeing, hearing, experiencing. And I think that's really important to be successful in your role, to let the sales reps know you're actually on their side. If they don't get something done, I'll absolutely call them out on it. However, I will sing their praises whenever they, you know, have a win, have a success. Like I am employed because of them at the end of the day.
1: I'm also hearing, you know, you described a whole bunch of functional areas uh, horizontally, right? There's quite a bit of breadth of what you cover as well as depth in certain areas. When it comes to measuring success for
2: all these multifaceted aspects of your role, how do you begin to do that? Because there are so many different facets to your point, I try to encourage the team to think about everything they're doing in a quantifiable manner. And one of the first things I did when I came on board to this company, since everyone seemed very focused on projects and it's sometimes hard for operations people to speak about projects in a quantifiable manner. So I encourage the star methodology just to keep it simple. What's the situation? What's the task? The actions completed and the results of it. And then we'd sit and go through each one and actually by the end of it, presented an entire data set of quantifiable impact. Because at the end of the day, if we're not providing impact and ultimately driving revenue, I don't know why else I would be here.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love the reminder that, you know, that in the title revenue operations, revenue is ultimately what it's about. Um, you mentioned the STAR methodology, which is it feels very actionable. It's a way to get to those um, success metrics. Could you share just a couple examples of some of the metrics you use to help articulate and and convey to the broader organization what you and your team
2: um, deliver? Absolutely. So today we actually just went through and marked in Salesforce, simple checkbox RFPs and go through every opportunity, was there an RFP? So I have one person who completes RFIs and RFPs on the team. And for him, he was thinking, okay, here you go. I produce, let's make it up a number 50 this quarter RFPs. Like, yes, that is quantifiable, great job. However, that's not impactful. So what does that mean that you produced 50 RFPs? So let's take that another level down how much did we win? How much did we lose? Then we can go by vertical. Then we can even partner with the heads. Are they quantified? I'm excuse me. Are they qualifying this opportunity in a method that we should be participating in this RFP and getting them to think a little bit more strategically themselves? Because if I don't educate them to be strategic, strategic, it's just going to all fall back on me at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. So a I want
2: to think that way. Exactly.
1: Right. Is there something you wish you would have done sooner in your role,
2: Heidi? I think the first thing that comes to mind would be creating a racy chart and, and or a capacity model for the team. Because RevOps are constantly made up of a very diverse portfolio of roles, it's easy to become a dumping ground because we get shit done. So why not throw more things over the fence to the ops team and having that simple roles and responsibilities or ratio chart of each member of your team is important, not just to have for yourself, but also to constantly evangelize and educate others. So many people know I'm busy, but they don't know what I'm working on. So it's my job to constantly uh, coach and educate everyone what we're working on, what we're producing, what we're saying yes to, what we're saying no to is equally important because otherwise that list of competing priorities could bury an ops team. So I do think it's important for that capacity model as well as a RACI. And for the benefit
1: of our uh, listeners who may not know uh, the acronym of RACI, could you just quickly explain what
2: each of those uh, letters stand for? Yes, responsible, accountable, contributor. Why am I forgetting the I right now? Informed. <laughs> I have to think about that. And informed. Who do we need to keep informed? <laughs> That's great. Thanks, Heidi.
0: Let's um let's stay on the topic of teams uh, for a moment. And um, what does your team's respons- set of responsibilities encompass? You shared a little bit when you were describing your role. But what is that full set in your current um, setup at Uncork?
2: My current setup is a little different than what I've seen previously. However, um, I have managed most of these roles before. So currently today, I manage sales operations, proposals, which is actually one person, so we call it our proposal team, and compensation, and then go to market enablement. On the flip side, I also now run our BDR team.
0: Okay. So that's a lot. How do you determine the, the right balance uh, between in-house versus outsourced work? I know you have opinions about offshoring.
2: Yes. I've had some painful experiences offshoring in my past. So I a little PTSD and scarred from that. I actually just recently spoke to a go-to-market advisor that we have about this. And I was very pleased to hear that he also agreed offshore resources at an immature, usually smaller or startup or private company is penny wise pound foolish in the long run which is how i've always believed it but it's also helpful when you hear other people validate that opinion in case i it wasn't just one bad experience or two and i there's no world that i would be ready to offshore resources in a productive manner i would lose my efficiency i would lose my time time is money at the end of the day and I need to invest my time incredibly wisely and an offshore resource would absolutely drain it. Heidi, I'm
1: curious to ask a follow-up question. Sorry, David. Um, Do you have thoughts around offshoring versus outsourcing? Because I do know there is quite a difference in the marketplace in terms of how, um, you know, the different kinds of resources available. Curious if you can comment on that and, and where you stand with that.
2: Yeah, I absolutely don't advise offshoring for ops roles because we are so unique and there's so many different aspects to what we do. We go in to work with a list of 10 things. We're lucky if we get to two of them. It's just a different type of role that you need maturity and predictability around in your business to be able to offshore. Now outsourcing, I think the key to success there is being incredibly intentional with what you outsource. So actually correlates back to what we spoke about earlier, what does success look like for this project? And when you outsource that, you need to be able to answer that question before you get on that call to scope it out, because otherwise you will be grasping at straws and you might not be happy with the end result. Yeah, great perspective.
0: I'd love to shift gears and talk about board and investor interactions uh, that you've had. Um, specifically like your experience interfacing with the board or investors?
2: I used to love going to the board meetings at a prior company. I currently don't attend them right now, but I have been lucky enough to go through them in person before. And it was just an awesome experience to learn what questions do they ask? What should I be able to anticipate for all those slides and reports that I produce? So it was a wonderful experience at, prior organizations so that I can remain informed for future ones. And even though I may not attend where I'm currently at, I have a seat at the table when it comes to the preparations, the reportings, and of course work uh, in tandem with the CRO on the entire go-to-market deck. And I often partner with marketing as well because we wanna make sure our messaging is aligned, our reporting is aligned. So I would say the number one most important thing in our role for RevOps is to anticipate what they're going to ask. And by doing that, it's a little painful because we end up creating a huge appendix of slides that do cover any aspect, like you never know. It could be, oh, what's the ASP year over year or quarter over quarter? And you just wanna have those handy in the appendix. But the best part is once you have them, all you do is continuously add to that trend line over time. It shouldn't be net new slides every time. And David and I got to meet in person a while ago when I was doing this. And I was very proud to say at the prior company that I could produce my board slides that used to take one full day in one hour. Once I started using Power BI, I standardized the template. I would just hit boop, refresh and we'd be good to go. I'm still working on that here, still working on standardizing, but... I will say, knowing and hearing what people have asked for before has much better equipped me for the future. And the biggest suggestions I would make for reporting are, of course, reviewing your results, but making sure that you have those trend lines quarter over quarter, year over year, and then trying to keep three big action items on each slide, no more, no less, I would actually caution, because I also have made the failure in the past where I put just too many call to actions, too many things, and it drowned the slide completely. So review your results, the trend lines, quarter over quarter, year over year. I think another really important one that is often overlooked, but incredibly important, and even just in the RevOps role itself, is sales productivity by fiscal quarter. You want to be able to see how that's trending quarter over quarter, year over year, and the productivity is so important because that you're not masking the number of fully ramped hires you have with the revenue. So that's E. Then you have your typical KPIs, pipeline generation, pipeline coverage, pipeline progression. Um, Big fan of adding a go-to-market strategy, initiative slide. what we've done, what we're going to do to hit our number, risks, challenges, competitive landscape, what we're seeing, challenges and opportunities. I think it's very important to always... Ask for help where needed with the board, because they're literally there to help. Sometimes a lot of companies like to put everything in green and up to the right. Everything's great, but they actually are here to help. So you should be as honest as possible and try to just illustrate the challenges that you might be incurring.
0: What's so exciting about hearing of you compressing the prep time down to an hour is then you can actually analyze the data. I think so many in the RevOps capacity spend that entire day or multiple days cobbling the data together, and they're just exhausted by the end of all that. There's no actual time to analyze what's going on with the data. You, it sounds like you've achieved that uh, ability. So that's, that's pretty fantastic.
2: Now I have to replicate it where I'm at now, but yes. Yeah, absolutely. but you'll get there. But you'll get there. you
0: done it before. Um, staying on the topic of uh, in- investors, have you found any resources uh, from any of the investors that you've worked with in the past? We're always trying to encourage clients that we work with to try to engage with the operating partners and see what resources might be available. I'm curious if you've had any experiences with re- resources that have been useful.
2: Yes, I've been very thankful to be introduced. Uh, I do think it's important that we ask our CRO or CEO or COO, whoever you report into are most comfortable asking, who would they recommend of your list of boards and advisors to ask questions. And you can even say, here are some of the questions I would like to ask. Who do you think is the best fit? I never thought about that until probably my third company I was with. And it was mind-blowing how much they are so willing to share. They want to help. They'll actually introduce you to additional resources. I've met with OpenView several times. I've never been invested in by OpenView. (laughs) But people are willing to help and collaborate wherever needed. And it's a sort of pay-it-forward culture that I've learned. And I absolutely love that. I actually was at a charity event recently in Boston and ended up sitting next to a managing partner at Montevista Vista Capital. And he's like, great, let's meet. So we had a meeting where he wanted to bounce ideas off me. He asked how he could help me in the future. And I was like, you know, I really need some benchmarking data around X, Y, Z. It's like, great. I'll get back to you within a few weeks.
0: <laughs> I love it. That is really Fantastic. Shifting gears now and talk to talk about technology, uh, what tech stack tool could you not live without?
2: I would say, you know, sales is everything that I'm about. So I would have to go with LinkedIn Sales Navigator. And that might sound funny for a RevOps person. You might think that's for sales, but at the end of the day, this new world, The great resignation is real. Uh, Changes are much more frequent within staffing and employment and every company more than it ever has been. So the best way to track where people are going and where they're currently at is truly your LinkedIn. It's something that people keep up to date. And I've never met, you know, used a data enrichment tool that has had an A or even B success rate with its data accuracy. So LinkedIn Sales Navigator, Uh, It will alert you of changes. It's really helpful for just remaining virtually connected. I would say a close second though is Gong. I love Gong. Big fan. Our managers don't have a lot of time to sit in on calls, but it's an expectation that they understand what their reps are saying. And then that proactive deals board that they have with warnings. I'm a big fan of Gong.
1: Gong's a favorite here at OpFocus as well. When we first started rolling it out, uh, one of our team members said, oh, Big Sister is going to listen to all my calls. And who knew? Now we just love to be able to tag people and share people on
2: calls. Really, really transformative. It's great. that The keyword tagging and alerts, phenomenal.
0: So you spoke a little bit about reporting up to the board and some of the metrics that you've presented in the past. Uh, where do you go to get your at-a-glance view of what's going on in the business now?
2: Currently, honestly, Salesforce. We do have a few dashboards, and we know which ones they are. We keep a nice big dashboard of the dashboards. Um, that would be our primary one-stop shop. However, I also have a few Google Sheets where we use Zapex. So you hit refresh, and it pulls right in and updates all of the data. We do use that one a lot. But I ultimately am a truly big fan of. One centralized data repository, whether it be Tableau, Power BI, Looker, and that's where I'd like to get to at my current organization. And I've brought it into my past ones to have that one-stop shop for the entire company to promote that transparency and visibility. And also you can often write commentary and at people and send them. It's very, very important, but it's also just what you need to do to create that scalability. Because right now, let's be honest, I'm going to get Slack. Hey, which dashboard do you use for this? And that's not what I want to ultimately uh, prepare for the entire company. I'd rather something much more self-service than where I'm currently at. We'll get there.
0: Is there a platform or a tool that you rely on for a health check within your systems?
2: We use Tatango, yes. Mm-hmm. And I actually used to Tango at my last company as well.
1: I'm curious, Heidi. We've been talking a lot about, um, you know, your your prior experiences. When you look ahead, and we know that there's probably some kind of economic turbulence or storm ahead. When you look ahead at the future of
2: RevOps, what gets you excited? Ooh, love this question. I would say the most exciting part of the future is knowing this is the time to focus because let's be honest, all ops people love focus and sometimes it's hard to do with the um, shiny object syndrome of sales. <laughs> so focus, but where I want to focus and where I'm getting everyone to agree more than ever is our customer, all of our customers. So we are a customer centric company. I've always been there's, but now is the time to double down on that. And what I mean by that is It's not just customer successes role or sales reps roles for upsells. It's getting the time with them across the board. Have we shared our roadmap for the next six months, one year, two years with them? Are we, if your new logo acquisition is slowing down, you should expect your support SLA turnaround time to therefore also go down because they have more time to focus on the existing customers versus their number of tickets going up. There's so many things that we could impact in a positive way and a company-wide collaborative way that i really can't wait for I, I the time is now for everyone and i know everyone loves their customers but this is let's go beyond the usual day-to-day responsibilities become so much more strategic and spend more time with them i think for the first time i've noticed in customers wanting to spend more time as well they want all of their software to be just as successful they want to demonstrate their own roi so not why not equip them with so much more white glove treatment than we've ever given before.
1: What I think is so powerful in what you just said Heidi is how the t- the turbulence outside can actually be an opportunity for that relentless focus and that customers are our path out, right? If they're successful, if they can maximize the use of our products, our services, then they will they will lead us through. Um, they will you know, want more services. They might want to increase their subscriptions, you know, whatever it might be. And I really
2: just love that as a North Star. I, it's the best time to do it. The time is now. And everyone's going to be going through slower net new logo acquisition. I mean, unless you're in oil and gas. But <laughs> So I'm really, really excited to just spend more time with our customers. Thank you for sharing so
1: much about the RevOps role. I know that's a really big area, you know, for most of our audience who are in RevOps themselves to learn about, hey, what are other people doing? But similarly, we'd love to learn more about you, Heidi. I think this is probably the time where we switch from learning about um, what you've done, learning from you and learning about you. And I think what I know is uh, you're currently based out of Maine. You've yes. got a BS in biology, from the University of New Hampshire. And your last role was the VP of RevOps at Security Scorecard. So that's quite a quite a range of things. How do we understand? How did you get into SaaS RevOps and specifically to Uncork? Like take me all the way back to what you studied.
2: Uh, I'm gonna take you all the way back to third grade when I went to SeaWorld and I told my parents I wanted to be a killer whale trainer. <laughs> so ever since third grade, I was hyper-focused on becoming a killer whale trainer. I wanted to be Shamu's coach. (laughs) And uh, I was fortunate enough to actually graduate with a degree in marine biology. I didn't know quite what to do right after college. So I joined AmeriCorps for a year, which is similar to Peace Corps, but in the U.S. After Hurricane Katrina, I lived down in New Orleans and Mississippi for a year, helping out there. And then I decided okay time to go work at a zoo and out of all places the zoo that accepted me was the phoenix zoo in arizona a landlocked state for marine (laughs) biologists we did have otters though (laughs) um so i did get a dream job and i was very excited for it i was there for a year however parents when you tell your kids that they can be whatever they want to be Also keep in mind there's student debt (laughs) and loans to pay for. And being a marine biologist doesn't necessarily pay that back. So I was waitressing nights and weekends and uh, just wasn't adding up with my student debt going up. So I moved back to Boston and found a job on Craigslist because that's how old I am. Don't let the Botox fool you. (laughs) Got the job on Craigslist at Rapid7. It was called Sales Support. There were 30 people at the company at the time, and I loved it. I just loved it. I loved learning everything. I think biology actually translates very well into operations because it's all about cause, impact, uh, patterns. And I loved seeing if I change something over here, what does it do over here and here and thinking big picture? And I've become a huge database geek, Salesforce nerd, um, but I will say, I am very thankful that the branding for sales operations starting to bubble up more and more when I was at rapid seven at those days. So I asked for the title change to no longer be sales support, but sales operations explained why of course they were very supportive and on board. And that company was a rocket ship. I left after four years with a global team of eight people. And it was my first job ever. And even though I had no business acumen, I found mentors to coach me through it. I found ways to learn. I read a lot and it was the best time.
0: That is awesome. Wow. So glad to hear that uh, story. If you could give yourself advice on day one of your current role, what would you turn around and say?
2: Just because you can, doesn't mean you should. And I joined the business world. I was very eager to prove myself and be a little bit of a people pleaser. I really wasn't good at saying no. And because of that, I started to burn out. I was working crazy hours. I knew I could do everything. So I wanted to do everything. And that is a terrible philosophy. I think a lot of people in operations are learning that now more than ever as during the last two years, ops has become quite the crutch in a lot of efficiency gains. So learning to say no and also communication, being able to communicate your priorities. And when you say no, why you're saying no. And if the answer should be yes, then they need to understand what then becomes the no. So just sharing that priority list and how things move up and down that ladder and aligning the key stakeholders behind it so communication and just don't burn yourself out because you can all right let's one let's of stand.
0: the oh, go ahead, go ahead
1: one of the uh, thought leaders I thought of as you were speaking about that Heidi, uh, a friend of David's in a local Boston area entrepreneur. um his name's Bob Glazer. I remember in one of his books he published uh, during the pandemic, uh, he introduced the idea of like going from I can do I can do everything or I can do both, and reframing it to be I can do anything, but not everything. Right. And just being relentlessly clear that a few things matter, not everything is important. And I think the piece that you're calling out here, Heidi, is how do we not only do that with our prioritization, but communicate that relentlessly across absolutely. an organization?
2: And that takes time, energy, and effort. So it's not an easy it's much easier said than done. But I think that's a great phrase. Absolutely. The other one I would add on is actually a mentor of mine, David Noor version one is better than version none. I think operations people, we tend to be perfectionists and we could slow down progress actually sometimes by waiting to get that right version. And I always have to remind myself version one is better than version none.
0: Oh, that's great. Great piece of advice. So we were talking about burnout. (laughs) Leading RevOps is pretty intense. What do you do to unwind from it all?
2: I, since COVID, recently got back into horseback riding, so my major was marine biology, but my minor was equine science.
0: Wow, that is a pair (laughs) I've never heard before.
2: Very unique.
0: So you really like seahorses, then?
2: yes. Yes. Uh, I've been riding since I was seven. And then when I joined rapid seven, I didn't ride again for many years. So I finally got back into it, uh, during COVID very happy to be back into it. Now that I'm up in Maine, as of recent, I need to find a new stable, get back, but get back into the saddle quite literally.
0: (laughs) That is awesome.
2: Yes. But traveling, I try to visit one new country at least every year. And because I'm just water obsessed Boating, fishing, swimming, you name it, anything water related. What's the next country on the list? Well, I just got back from Greece, so I haven't picked the next one yet. Mm.
0: <laughs> that is great. Uh, Jaren and I also like traveling a little bit. So,
1: David <clears> just <throat> got back from somewhere quite fun as well.
0: I was in Morocco for a few days to speak at an event and then oh. uh, spent three days in Lisbon. And that was pretty fabulous.
2: Oh, I love Lisbon, yes.
0: All right, so we're curious, you have a great network within RevOps. Who else do you think should be on the show?
2: Great question. So Dana Therian is probably one of those people that I'll just always remember. I truly looked at him as one of the primary evangelists for Rev operations, revenue ops, and and even sales operations especially during his time at Forrester. I think he would be wonderful. He's an amazing speaker. I drool every time he talks because he's just so good at what he says. And then um, big fan of Rosalind Santa Alina and why I have so much respect for her outside of her amazing posts and thought leadership for sales ops is she recently hosted, I think the name, RevOps Rescue. And it was an open hour Q and A. She hosted a few of these. I was I joined one, shared some advice, and I just thought, how cool is this that people are so willing to take the time, organize it, which is no small feat, and just offer help. It was so fantastic. So I, I just have a lot of respect for her. Last but not least,
1: we've been referencing you know your work at uh, your work at Uncork, your role in RevOps. Tell me for just a few sentences, you know, like what does Uncork actually do? So that folks know, you know, in the context of everything we've discussed, um, what, what is the great work that you're all trying to do in the industry?
2: Yes, so Uncork is not a wine company. It is not champagne, which I think a lot of people automatically think, but we're actually an enterprise grade application development platform. And companies use us to build complex solutions without a single line of code love that. That's very powerful. To
1: wrap up here, everyone's been listening to your great experiences. If they wanted to connect with you, if they wanted to learn more, if they wanted to find out more, where can people find you?
2: So I don't tweet. (laughs) I'm not a huge social media person, but I love LinkedIn. So feel free to follow me, add me, whatever the term is on LinkedIn, Heidi Thompson, formerly Heidi Rodding. And absolutely, like, feel free to message me with questions. I have so much respect for the folks that have reached out after various events I've gone to or items I've spoken at and just said, hey, may I have some time to ask a few questions or would love to be mentored on this situation? I'm incurring. I absolutely love when people do that and have so much respect for it because I wish I had the guts to do that when I was younger. So always will feel free to pay for it.
1: Wow. Thanks for such a generous offer. Um, I know folks are going to be excited to connect and get to know you in person. Uh, And for Uncork, I'm guessing if folks were interested in not the champagne or wine (laughs) company, but the (laughs) enterprise level software, they could go to uh, uncork.com?
2: Yes. U-N-Q-O-R-K. Excellent. We'll also include
1: all of the links in our show notes and make sure that folks have a way to connect with you directly.
2: Amazing. Thank you so
0: much. Heidi, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. It's been amazing to hear about your role at Uncork and about your prior roles. You are the first person I've ever heard that studied marine biology and <laughs> e- e- equine studies, That's, <laughs> equestrian studies. That's pretty incredible. It's such a pleasure to spend time with you and have you share your, your many experiences with our listeners.
1: We also want to thank our audience, um, everyone listening today, everyone who's tuning in. Uh, If you learned something today, uh, if you laughed at one of our jokes, uh, please share this podcast or this episode with someone you know in RevOps. And thank you again, Heidi. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And this has been an exciting episode of RevOps Rockstars. See you next time.
0: Stay classy, Rockstars. And that wraps up another episode. Thank you so much for joining us. For show notes and other episodes, visit RevOpsRockstars.com. RevOps Rockstars is sponsored by OptFocus. Visit OptFocus.com to learn more about how OptFocus helps SaaS companies scale their revenue operations.